Kathy's going to read Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 for us. And then Lorna's going to read for us the same passage, but for the message. Thanks, Kathy. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That passage from Hebrews is, in a way, a little bit like a halftime talk. When you've got the first 45 minutes or 40 minutes, depending on which kind of game you're playing, um, you've got it out the way. And I'm not going to go into any details, but you know that that moment between the two halves is a time where the coach comes in and he says words of either stern rebuke or encouragement or something, but there's a motivation that takes place in that interim period. And these words that the writer of Hebrew writes are in a way a little bit like that. He's coming in and he's saying a whole lot of things at once at this point. And I want, to, I want to touch on a couple of them this morning. There were, after a, after a summer break and after we haven't been together for about a year and a half, there were all kinds of things tumbling through my mind about what I'd love to say, what do we need to say, what, you know, and, and there's just a vast array of things that we could have been here for hours. But I want to say really just only one thing this morning. It's that we keep the main thing as the main thing. We keep what is important in front of us. It is easy to be deflected. It is easy to be uh, undermined or to be discouraged by the kind of stuff that's happened around us or to us, both personally and in a variety of different ways. And so I just really want to say three things around that whole issue. The first is this. Keep focused. Keep focused. Nothing has changed in terms of the way the gospel works. Nothing has uh, shifted in terms of what's important. And when the writer says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, that is the fundamental baseline for all of us in this room. And those who want to do it. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep focused on what's important. Keep yourself clear about what it is that we're about. There are hundreds of things that we can uh, add and subtract to that whole thing. But the first and most important thing, the primary thing, is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. If we do that, then we are likely to be able to plow a straight furrow in terms of the way that we live and the way that we think and the way that our lives turn out. There is our North Star. There is the one that we uh, orientate our lives towards. Jesus is the person 
that sums up everything about God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We don't need anything else. And so we need to keep focusing on that which is important. Keep focused on Jesus. Non-stop. Paul writes to the Corinthian church a little, little bit before the passage we read about the Lord's Supper. And he says here, where is it? Chapter 9. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let us run the race, as Paul, the writer of Hebrews says. Let us set aside the things that so easily entangle us, the thing that so, things that so easily will trip us up, and run with endurance the race that is before us. And the way to do that is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. There's a passage in Philippians chapter 3. Paul has uh, spoken to the Philippian church about a whole bunch of different things, obviously, at this point. And he's talked about what is gainful, what he's counted as loss, and so many different things. In chapter 3, in verse 12, he comes to a place where he says, I don't think that I've already obtained that, or I've already become perfect or mature. But I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. There's the sense of Paul recognizing, even late in the journey of faith that he has, that there's still a sense of something ahead. There's still more that is there in terms of what his life is about. And he said, I press on for that. Now, that word in Greek is a, a hunting term. It's you push, you push, you push until you get the quarry. You don't stop. You don't think, oh, well, I've got a bit tired or there, there's too many brambles or something here. When you are pursuing something, you keep going until you attain the thing that you want. And he carries on to say, brothers, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I reach forward for what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. Keep focused on what's important. Keep centered on who Jesus is. Keep your eyes on him. It's as simple as that. The second part of it is this. Make the good news, make the gospel a priority in your life. Little story. Three years ago at um, Dillard University, I'd never heard of it until I found um, this whole uh, speech by Denzel Washington. All know who that is. 
he was speaking to a graduate class at the university and uh, he, he, he stood up and after introductions and everything, he starts out by saying this, I quote, the number one thing in life is to put God first in everything. And he went on to say that everything that he's achieved or accomplished or, or all that happened to him is by the grace of God. And he begins, he shares some of his own personal journey. But the point is this. The number one thing in life is to put God first in everything, to make God the priority, to actually not only keep your eyes. You know, there's that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I grew up with that, but in the same sense of also there, there being this, this almost mystical, wonderful, worshipful union with God. Turn your eyes on Jesus. But when we focus our attention on him and when we recognize that it's a race to be run, we make that a priority. And so it's not a wishy-washy thing of just saying, oh, I, I, I know what God wants. It's about we actually reorder our lives in such a way that that becomes a priority. That that is the focus, not only of our thoughts and intentions, but of our actions. We begin to do some of the things. The number one thing of importance is that God is the priority in everything that we do. Psalm 119, verse 32 says this. I run in the path of your commands. That's the new international version. I run in the path of your commands. The message says it like this. I'll run the course you lay out for me if you'll just show me how. There's a, there's a desire of the psalmist to say, I know what's there. I know what's necessary. Help me to do it. Help me to prioritize the things in my life that are important. That that becomes the central feature. Not my own this or that or the next thing, but that God's purposes and commands are the priority. His good news, his gospel, his kingdom is the central feature of everything that I think and say and decide. On. So keep focused. Make it a priority. And then sim simply the third thing is listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. John writes in the Revelation in chapter 2 and 3 to the churches, the uh, various different churches in Asia Minor. And the one thing that is uh, similar to each church that he writes to, he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And yes, that is, in a sense, the corporate thing of the church, this local assembly of believers who've, like us hodgepodge people who've come from all over the place with all different backgrounds, all different pasts and futures and aspirations, a licorice, all sorts of people who've come together, who is actually this community of faith. We can hear the Holy Spirit together. But he's also saying that each one of us are part of that. Each one of us forms a part of who the church is. Each one of us are called to listen attentively to what we hear God saying to us. 
And that's sometimes a thing we have to practice and learn and, and, and reflect with other people and ask their opinion and help. And, but it's a case of listening to what God is saying through the Spirit of God and then doing it. Have a go. Have a go. It's not complicated. It's not, it's not hard to understand. But it's demanding in the sense that it needs us to keep focused, to reprioritize our lives, and to be listening attentively to God. And I think at the end of the day, all of us need help. All of us. doesn't matter who we are. We're all flawed in a variety of different ways. We all trip ourselves up most of the time. And we need, we need to keep fanning the flame of our faith. These things are part of that. But I think that we, we fan the flame by actually being able to say, am I reading the scriptures? Am I actually, I just sat there, I stood there during, during the, the worship and I thought, how good it is to be in this place. Verbum Dei, the word of God. Hmm. Solar Day of Gloria. It's, it's the sense that these things are pivotal. Our understanding and reading of the scriptures, our, our prayer lives. And I want to just be practical and say, if you guys struggle with reading the Bible, Johnny will get the app, which is, uh, what's it, Bible in one year. It's, it's great. There's dozens of them, but get that one. Start somewhere. If you're battling to pray, then get Lecture 365. You press it, and it helps you to pray. Fan the flame. You don't have to do this on your own. Get someone to be a, an accountable person with you. You need to develop and, and, and nurture your own spirituality. Worship. Worship on your own. Worship as a couple. Worship as a family. Don't neglect, as the Hebrew writer says, gather together to worship. So we fan the flame by nurturing our spirituality, but we fan the flame also by caring for and looking after and being part of one another's lives. I think something that has highlighted itself through this whole last 18 months is just how we atrophy when we are not in contact with one another, both in terms of our mental health, spiritual health, everything. We need each other. The sense of community, accountable community, nurturing, encouraging community is so vital. So we need our own personal spirituality, but we do that in conjunction with others. That fans the flame. I read a, a really fascinating book over the holiday. It's called Helgoland by um, Carlos Ravelli. He is a um, professor of physics in Italy. And he writes this book about quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. And it is fascinating. He held land because that's where Werner uh, Heisenberg went as a young man of 23. And the whole thing of how things related together all tumbled out. It started at that place. The whole thing of quantum physics started there. And he just unwraps it and takes you through the history and explains it. Essentially what he says 
is that um, everything influences everything else. Objects don't actually exist in isolation. You cannot exist in isolation. Objects don't exist. In other words, the bottom line of what he's saying is that the whole structure and framework of creation of the whole world of everything that there is is relationship it's how things interact and relate relate to one another that causes them to be there or not there alive or not and i was fascinated because at the heart of who we are is a god who is trinity his father son and holy spirit living in this uh, dynamic community and he says let us make man in our own image and he communes with us and if you read through the new testament there's a whole lot about one another and there's only life when we are with and engaged with one another and so to flan flan to to fan the flame not only do we need that sense of individual spirituality but we need community we need the relationships that we have with one another and let me just add this as an aside i didn't write this in my notes and i lean forward to say it quietly the difficult people in your life are probably there for a reason because as iron sharpens iron so one man or woman sharpens another uh, think of your marriage think of your children there's there's always going to be this give and take this conflict it's that's how life is and it, and it rubs off the rough edges of our lives community is vital but not only do we need to be spiritually energized and fanned not only do we need it in terms of community and relationship but we need it also in terms of our intrinsic selfishness Left to ourselves, we become what would be called solipsists, all on our own by our very own self, only thinking of our own comfort and lives and the best things for us. The glory of the gospel is that it turns us around and it says, it's when you look outward, it's when you move outward, there's life. When you give yourself away, when you lay down your life, when you, when you move away from that, you find life. And so we want to be a missional people. We want to be people who are on the move, who are going beyond ourselves, who are reaching out to those around us that are there when people need us, that we pray, that we care for them, that we practically look after them. Those in our immediate orbit and in a wider sense as we have capacity to serve those who are needy, to do what is right, reconciliation and evangelism, it's all that stuff. It's going outside of your comfort to tell other people and show them the way that we learn the good news. So it's clearly this, just keep your eyes on Jesus, keep focused. Prioritize the gospel, the good news in your life. And be open to the Holy Spirit. And then just fan everything with those other things.
Do you see what all this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down and start running and never stop. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything of a more, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility you plow through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. <laughs>